There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to CMO Moves, the podcast that uncovers the human side of game-changing leaders. Hear their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and how they got to become leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. We hope you enjoy their stories, their advice, and take away some tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of CMO Moves. I know I say this every time, but I'm so excited about this special guest we have today, Ms. Ziamara Wiley, who is the CMO and EVP of Marketing for Universal Parks and Resorts North America. Hi, Ziamara. Welcome to the show, first of all. Hi, thank you for having me. So good to be with you. Of course, I'm, I'm very excited, mostly because I have history with Universal. This yeah, was, um, yeah, I, I believe, I guess it was one of my first roles out of college on the PR team. Um, and this is when social media had first come on the scene for brands. And, and we were, you know, starting our focus on having a Facebook page and just the start of it all right now. It's, mm-hmm. it seems like ages ago, but Ziamara, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, where are you from originally? Where are you now? Sure, sure. Well, I grew up in New York. And I started actually my marketing career with some consumer goods products companies like um, Procter & Gamble. I worked for them in marketing for a little while and then um, at Clearall. And um, after doing that work for a while and really enjoying marketing, I uh, decided that I wanted to try to, to marry that with my passion for travel and tourism. And the Orlando destination was just fascinating to me. 
So I sought a job at a, a theme park resort destination in Orlando. And that was my first sort of foray into this the industry that I've been in now for quite a few years. So did you ever see yourself becoming a CMO? Was that always part of your plan? You know, I, I don't think so. I, um, I started out actually out of college in sales. And actually, I'm a chemistry major. So I started in science, actually. And then I did pharmaceutical sales coming out of college. And as I was doing that, um, and working in the healthcare industry, which was of interest to me, and also working in the sales function, I realized, oh, I really want to know about these products that we're um, developing for consumers before we actually start selling them. And it was that that I said, oh, well, maybe marketing is, is more what I'm interested in and more business. So I decided to go to business school and changed my career to, um, to marketing coming out of business school and just took one job after the other. Mm-hmm. So it was never really a focus on being a CMO. It was always a focus on the types of products I would be marketing, the experiences I was having, enjoying what I was doing and being able to feel like I was making a contribution to the business. And you mentioned you started your career at another uh, major theme park in Orlando that we won't mention, but what brought you to Universal? Yeah, you know, when I left, I didn't know where I was going to go, but it just so happened that a recruiter reached out about an opportunity. I I happened to be in in LA at the time, and they reached out about an opportunity at Universal Studios Hollywood in California. And I said, well, you know, I'm not sure I want to stay in this industry, but I can go do that job while I'm figuring out what I want to be when I grow up. And so I took the job thinking I would be there for a year or or two. And I was there for eight years. I just kept having more and more fun. Um, I got to work on the opening of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Los Angeles, California, which is such a beloved story and a franchise. So exciting. Um, When I got there, that park had lost... um, one of its attractions on the because the, the Hollywood Park is built on the movie studio backlot, Universal Studios right. backlot, and there was a fire and there was a King Kong attraction that had burned down in the fire. So we got the opportunity to rebuild that attraction, and we we created this whole storyline about how Kong was annoyed that his home was burned down, and he was going to come back to his home at the studios, and we really kind of tracked his his return to LA through Santa Monica and all different parts of LA. I mean, the path of destruction, basically, as he made his way back. And it was just a really great way to, you know, do a marketing plan in a city that just loves to do things big. So I just had such a ball there and such great people that I just ended up there for quite a long time. Yeah, I, I will say, I feel like it's it's addictive working for it's such a fun, I mean, there's always a new attraction, something new to sink your teeth in um, when it comes to marketing. So I can only imagine. And then, so you went, you're in California, then what brought you back to Orlando? There was an opportunity in Orlando. So the, the leadership team here asked me as they were looking to fill the, the role of the chief marketing officer for Universal Orlando Resort, given my experience in Hollywood for eight years, asked me if I would be interested in moving back to Orlando. And I said, well, you know, it's, it's, the property here is, is fabulous. We've got, you know, three theme parks and eight hotels. So it's a bigger resort destination, more scope than the role that I had in Hollywood. So when right. they asked, I, I took a look and said, yeah, well, first of all, I've lived in Orlando before. Yep. So I know how to do that. 
and um, it's a great opportunity. So I just decided to come back to Orlando. Nice. Is there anything you miss about California? Lots of things. (laughs) (laughs) Florida's pretty great, though. Florida's pretty great. great. Well, first of all, they're both warm. Of course. We have that. They're both warm. So that's good. Um, And they're just different. You know, Orlando's a much... It's easier to live here. You know, it's not the traffic's not the same. Yeah. Um, the real estate market is different. But LA has the mountains and the, you know, the more temperate weather and yep. the diversity. So, you know, they're different, but they're both enjoyable places. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it. It's very different. The Orlando destination for Universal, they're very complimentary because they are, they were created at different times, kind of with different right. intents. Tell, tell us a little bit about your role and what you oversee, um, because yeah. I know you do have responsibilities over both destinations. Yeah, yeah. Well, the parks are different. The Universal Studios Hollywood is the original park. So it's the very first theme park experience that Universal created. Um, but in, in Orlando, with the, the advantage of having more land, mm-hmm. um, Universal Orlando Resort is a, a holistic resort destination. So in Hollywood, it's just the one uh, uh, theme park. And there are some hotels nearby that aren't owned by Universal. But in Orlando, we have the three theme parks um, and the eight hotels and the city walk area. There's also a city walk area in Hollywood. So my team and, and I are responsible for motivating people to visit um, people from all around the world, whether they live you know, in Orlando or in LA and can drive over for a day visit, or they're flying from another part of the country or from another part of the world. So it's our responsibility to get them um, to understand what we have to offer from a, a, a destination perspective, and then provide that communication to the, to the consumers to get them to actually visit. I have to tell you, I was just at the park last week. Oh, it's working. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I went to the park during spring break. Um, tourism is definitely having a bounce back. It was incredible. Yes. I got a chance to ride the new Velocicoaster. Um, Very holy good. cow, that ride is insane. Very good. I, I'm still shaking in a good way because it was the scariest, most awesome roller coaster I've ever been on. Um, so my my coworker Jordan and I got a chance to, to ride it. But as as we think about what the pandemic has done for travel and tourism, I mean, there's no shadow of a doubt that your team has definitely had to overcome some challenges. How yeah. are, with things on their way back to some some sort of normal again? How are you approaching marketing today that you would say is mm-hmm. different from pre pandemic marketing? Yeah, I think we're we definitely have a much more flexible approach. You know, historically, and and all of our data um, is you know, has some, some constancy to it. Um, Mm -hmm. The seasons kind of flowing, you know, how we understand what's happening with the business was much more uh, predictable, Mm -hmm. I think, in years past. And then the pandemic happened and we didn't know what was going to go on the very next day. So we just started creating all these flexible plans okay, if this happens, then we'll do this. And if that happens, then we'll do that. Like right before the pandemic, we had just worked on all this new um, creative because it was, we closed in March of 2020. And right before then we had just done all this creative work and we got to use like one piece of it for a month. And then all of that had to be shelved. And we had then had to pivot and figure out, okay, now what do we say to people? And we did a lot more research too. 
a lot more talking to consumers about how they felt about um, safety protocols and masks and vaccinations and all of that so that we could do um, the right thing mm -hmm. in terms of talking to guests about their level of comfort and what we were doing to make everyone feel comfortable about being in a theme park experience. So I think flexibility and mm -hmm. just humility and finding out what other people are thinking and feeling and yep. being sensitive to that so that we could be responsive to the needs of the consumer. And I, I know that the role of social media has been prominent for you know many years for Universal Parks, but in terms of after the pandemic, how has that changed as far as how much you all lean into um, the social space for that constant feedback loop? Yeah, you know, social media obviously gives you some indication of what consumers are saying about mm -hmm. your brand and how they feel about your experiences. Um, it was a great tool in the midst of the pandemic to then kind of see different consumers' perspective on right. how they felt about their readiness to come back to a theme park. And just knowing that consumers with social media are now helping us to define mm -hmm. our brand. It's not only about what we say as marketers, it's also about what they say to each other. So we're very much focused on understanding our voice and how consumers are speaking about us and, and sharing that conversation with them so Absolutely. that um, we can together uh, shape what people think when they think of a universal theme park experience. Yeah, because right. the consumers are not just consumers, they're literal fans of your brand right. and they all want to feel a part of a part of what you're doing and that that's something really special. Um yeah. and and I'd love to touch on some new offerings, new attractions. What is new or something that's coming down the pike that we should be aware of? Yeah. Well, the the coaster that you got to ride um is is pretty new and and because we're sort of in this pandemic environment, tons of people who have not yet gotten to the resort. So there's a, the, our, our sister business unit, Universal Pictures, is opening a new Jurassic World Dominion movie this summer. And so we know that when people see that film, that's going to boost their interest in coming out and, and riding the coaster like you were able to yep. do. You know, that coaster and, and all of our attractions are designed by Universal Creative. And they are very much focused on taking all of our storytelling into our attractions with like state-of-the-art technology and experiences to, to really create a, a, an, ex, an experience that when you're done, you're just like, wow, yeah. that, that was amazing. That, that is their goal to really make you go, whoa, when, when, you're, when you're done. And they also develop our hotels. We've just recently expanded our our. our our suite of hotels, um, resorts, and we now have eight hotels in many different categories. And so they use that same design aesthetic and principle to create great places for people to stay. Mm -hmm. We now have 9,000 rooms just recently. Um, you know, Some of the hotels were just recently added. And then about two weeks ago, we announced in the Hollywood Park that for the first time in the United States, there is going to be a an experience based on Super uh, Nintendo World. So basically for all the gamers out there who are, who are Nintendo fans and Super Mario and Luigi, you're now going to be able to go into their world. And we have that experience in Japan and it's now, it's going to open next year in Hollywood. And when you see the pictures 
of this land as it exists in Japan, you like you think you're you're looking at an animated photo. Like it is so colorful and beautiful that you really like. It's hard to believe that it really looks like that. Like、mm-hmm. this is not the artist rendering, but this is an actual photo of the land. Because if you play those games, you know how how colorful and artistic they are. So that is just a true innovation. That's going to have some interactivity as well with your、yep. gaming. So、um, that's going to be a first for and-、um, for the Hollywood Park. And super smart because Nintendo is timeless. You have multi generations,、right. similar to what it's like. What Harry Potter has become, really, it's pretty incredible.、Yeah. Um, My daughter's in her late twenties, and I went to LA for for work to to visit. And I was at her,、uh, you know, her apartment, and、uh, there was something on the television, and she's like, "Are you watching this?" And I'm like, "No, I'm like, we're we're talking." She's like, "Okay." She turned it, the channel. She put on like you know Mario Kart. And she's playing. She's like, wait a minute! I'm here to talk to you. We're bonding. We're talking. And she's like, yeah, we're talking. We're bonding. Yep. Yeah. My my five year old likes to bond、playing. over games. She's in her late twenties, and I'm like, what? What is? It's like, okay, I know who's going to be at the park when we. Yeah. The there you go.、Oh. She can she can be a, a tester of everything. Yes. And you mentioned something. Having worked there, I kind of have an inside view of this, but not all of our listeners do. The way Universal has to partner with. Several different entities, right? Because not everything that comes to life as an attraction is owned by Universal. How, as a marketing team, do you approach that? Is it kind of like every situation is unique because you're dealing with different partners, different IP, or do you have kind of like a standard baseline and then you tweak from there? Well, there's probably a bit of both.、Um, so it first starts with you know with research in terms of what、right. what stories. Do consumers want to see, and what would be interested in? What stories would they like to live in and get immersed into? So we try to understand what's going to be most interesting to people, and then okay, well, who owns that story?、And、many times we own, you know, the stories、mm-hmm. with brands like Universal Pictures and Illumination and DreamWorks. These are all, you know, businesses that that have great stories that we use in our park. But sometimes the stories are external. Um, especially like with Halloween Horror Nights, we do a combination of creating our own scary haunted houses, and、mm-hmm. then we'll go find you know the the scariest horror filmmakers and work with them to bring that to life. So you know it starts in the research and then the content development process of what what's going to make for a great experience and what are the our entertainment and our creative attraction builders think will be will be entertaining. Then we work with them to understand what's compelling about those things, and then. Partner with the 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 people who might own some of those products to share with them how we approach the marketing and making sure that we're delivering on behalf of the brand for our own brand and for their brand, so everybody's proud of the experience as well as the marketing that we deliver. I think Halloween Horror Nights is a perfect example. Like you said, is is the blending of those two, like existing IP that might not be owned by Universal, with some original character storylines, and and that team is insanely creative.、Um, the、yeah. stories and the way that things come to life. If if you everyone listening, if you have not been to the park, go during Halloween Horror Nights. It's so much fun. It is like the best time、oh、of year.、God. Uh, if you like scary houses, even if you don't, it's it's so much fun.、Um, I I can't say enough about that. And that's at both that's in California too, right?、H-E-S. Yes, yeah. both both parks. And we have Halloween activities in the in our international parks as well. 
but the ones that that I'm working on, we have it in, in the Hollywood yeah. Park as well as in Universal Orlando Resort. Yeah, we just had our 30th anniversary of Halloween Horror Nights last year. Insane! I cannot for, believe uh, that. Orlando, yes, and, 30 years. Um, yeah, we're looking forward to you know many more. Yeah, new things in store for Halloween this this year. That's exciting. What's your What's your favorite attraction? If you had to pick one. Um, I, I think now uh, it's Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. Yeah, um, I, I'm a one. big Harry Potter fan. I love how you get, you know, we're, we're calling it a story coaster. So basically we're telling the story of Hagrid and how he, if you know, if you know the, the, the work, he cares for all these crazy mm-hmm. magical creatures that are harmless to life-threatening. And you get to meet some of these creatures, included the three-headed dog, Fluffy. And um, it's a coaster that's um, great for families. um, And it's got several accelerations. But what I really love about it is it's like you're actually on a motorcycle. Many accelerations, you're kind of, you think you're leaning, like, because you need to lean, you know, when you take a curve on a motorbike. So it's just, it's, it's a great, a great experience. That's a great one. Yeah. And before we move off of innovation, I'm curious about your team and just kind of marketing skill sets that you look for. You've mentioned storytelling quite a bit. Are there any other skills that you look for that you feel every marketer today should have? Yeah. Well, as a you know CMO, our responsibility is to build the brand, protect the brand, um, and, and make sure the brand is healthy and strong and growing. And also then to deliver as well, the results for the business. If we don't have people in the park riding the rides, eating the food, enjoying the entertainment, sleeping in the hotels, we, we don't have a business. So at the end of the day, it's about the brand and also delivering the results. Mm-hmm. So it's important for people in marketing to have a results orientation, to understand that there's targets that we need to hit, that we're working towards hitting, because that's what we're there to do. So that results orientation is is very important. Marketing has gotten very complicated with digital analytics and and targeting and platforms. And so the ability to influence through collaboration, because you can't really know it all yourself. Mm -hmm. It's just too much going on, too complex. So we all have to work together as a team and bring all of our expertise to bear to deliver um, great plans. And so being able to influence a team of people who may not think exactly like you do, who preferably have diverse points of view so that you can have a good, rich, healthy dialogue about the decisions that you want to make, which, you know, research has shown that diversity of thought leads to really great outcomes. So influence in in a collaborative environment, as opposed to relying on your authoritarian line of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, reporting as a way to drive success, I think is important in today's marketing environment. In addition to strategy and analytics and creativity and, you know, storytelling and leadership and the list goes on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, to your point about the staying on top of the um, changing digital landscape and consumer behavior, no other role in the C-suite experiences as much change as the CMO. I I think that's something we can all agree on. What, is there something that you could pinpoint in, in your experience that you think has really fundamentally changed about the role of the CMO um, in recent years? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know if it's been a, 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 an inflection point. I don't know if it like just happened one day. It was this mm-hmm. and then it was that. 
but I think it's just the continual, the continuation of the importance of digital analytics in the role of marketing um, and really being able to see signals about the consumer, to be able to target consumers through analytical um, targeting and the need to create a content stream for multiple different audiences because you can and because that's the right way to go about it versus um, only doing a mass marketing right. sort of approach. And that's really complex and, it, and, it's, an, and it's a skill, it's a specific skill set that it's important that we are able to leverage as we go forward. And again, the, just the evolution of consumers taking over the brand. I mean, they're just, they're just, they feel as much accountable for yep. the brand and what it means as, as we do as marketers. And so building that balanced partnership with your consumer on the content and, and what a brand means continues to, you know, move in that direction of a shared interaction. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in our first conversation, Ziamara, we talked about you as a leader and the fact that you are a female executive, you are a black female executive. Can we talk about that a little bit and something perhaps that you've learned on your way to, yeah. to your role today? Yeah. So being um, a, a woman and, and many times in meetings where I might be the only or one of a, a few or being African-American and Latina and being one of few or the only at mm-hmm. times, um, Early on in my career, my focus was, again, because I was often the only, to really um, focus on doing a great job, whatever I was doing. And for for good or for bad, feeling like I am, because I'm the only, I'm the only interaction you have. So I need to set a good example so that there can be more than just me. And then it it got to the point where I realized uh, through counsel and coaching and and experience that not only um, do I need to conform to whatever the the culture is, but also to bring myself Mm -hmm. because it's my unique background and experience and thoughts are, are important to the conversation. It's a different perspective that will be, um, will help us make, uh, better decisions if and not only for me as a, a black and, uh, and Latino woman, mm-hmm. but you know all sorts of diversity in our workspace. Getting all those diverse perspectives mm-hmm. as we're trying to figure out how to provide an experience for the world. Like we have people who come here from all over the world. So we are dealing with the most diverse audience that you can imagine. And so we need those perspectives in the products that we create and in the marketing that we do. And do you feel like you can remember when you started to feel like, okay, I can step into my own. I can bring that to work. I don't remember like the day. And I said, okay, today I'm going <laughs> to go. I know it wasn't the first job that I had. I can tell you that for sure. Like, um, and, and in my background, even before my first job, um, I, I was in, um, I grew up in New York City, and so I was part of the busing program mm. back in the 60s, where if you wanted to go to another neighborhood to get um, into a public school that had a better academic track record, that they would provide a school bus, and you get on the bus, and you bus to another neighborhood and go to that school. And so I did that from a, you know, a very young age. So have often been in the minority in all those environments, and have spent a lifetime from nine years old, 
trying to fit in to an environment that didn't really look like my environment at home or my community or my church or, you know, whatever. And so that I would say after, you know, for, for all that time took some unlearning. I think it may have been when I started to get some success in my career and feel comfortable in my skill set and, and see the, the results of my work. That allowed me to rely on the fact that I could be what I determined to be more risky mm-hmm. in being who I truly was versus trying to conform. Mm-hmm. So I would say maybe several years into my first corporate job where I started to go, okay, I think I can take some risks and show up <laughs> as who I am and see how that goes. Yeah, see how that I'll goes. I'll do it for a day and see how that works. <laughs> I might try it for a week. Okay, about a month. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Baby steps. Um, I, I, you know, you mentioned mentorship and we're about to kick off actually the, the program for this year where we'll have a pitch window for people to be paired one-on-one with C-suite leaders for some mentorship. Could you remember maybe one piece of advice that came from a mentor throughout your career? Yeah. Yeah. I remember one situation where I was trying to figure out how I was perceived because I didn't really have a good sense of how my work was being perceived and my opportunity for more, um, more responsibility, which is what I was looking for at the time. And the mentor said, you know what, we, we, we know you know how to do the work that's assigned to you. Like if we give you something, you know, you do a great job and you're very results oriented, you get it done. But we don't know if you know how to figure out what to do. If it's not assigned to you, we don't know if you would figure out what it is Mm -hmm. you need to do. And that's when you get to be more senior, you not only do the work, but and and as you more senior you get, the the less you're actually doing doing yourself and more you're trying to anticipate and look into the future and and determine where we're headed. And so that was interesting because I hadn't picked my head up from my work and go, okay, where am I going and what, what should be done? And so when he gave me and said, and, and, and I was thinking, well, I know how to do that. And he's, he's like, well, maybe you do, but we don't know that. <laughs> like, well, so it's not like what you know in your head. It's like it's what, what they perceive. What yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the perception. It's not the actual, do you, can you do this or not? Yeah. So that clicked for me. It's like, oh, okay. I have to demonstrate that I know how to do that. And so that then made me go, okay, I got to pay attention to this. I have to stop just doing a great job at everything I've been given. Mm -hmm. I have to start suggesting things that I think we need to be doing and trying to get, you know, um, support for those ideas and so that I can show that I I actually can do that type of work. Exactly. And it just was like, I just, I don't know why it just never occurred to me. Oh, I I'm, I, I don't do blame it. you. I'm, like, I'm just doing great. I do everything yeah. you have to do. What do you mean? Yeah, we talk, we talk a lot about that, right? Work, yeah. In theory, the work should speak for itself. But if you're not advocating for yourself, and I think that's, right. that's a big role that mentorship can play is showing you what others see and not right. just what you see in yourself. So I think that, that yeah. that's why that outside in perspective is so valuable. Because if you're self-aware, you should have, you, you know, or to the extent you can as a human, you, exactly. you probably have that awareness of, who you are and where you're capable of. Right. Like, you know better than everybody else what you what you can hope you should, hopefully. You know, sometimes right. you're not so aware. <laughs> Maybe there might be blind spots, but you know, we all have those too. 
Right. But that doesn't mean that everybody else knows all that. So totally. you got to stay connected to other people, trusted mentors and like, hey, how's it? What are you seeing? What's what's going off the rails? Sometimes you can be, you know, going in the wrong direction and be totally unaware. You don't want let that be out there very long. Exactly. You, you want to have a good partner who can help you say, hey, you, know, you might want to look at this. This is something that, that you're not seeing like we're seeing. And and that's where peer-to-peer uh, mentorship can come into play too. I think that's yeah. very underrated, the power of just having trusted people. They don't necessarily yeah. always have to be senior to you to show right. you again, maybe your blind spots. So that's really yeah. good advice. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I want to go back to the industry. We were talking about the changing CMO um, role, changing skill sets needed. If you could change maybe one thing about the CMO role or the marketing industry, what would you change about it? Oh, it's got to be the pace, the pace of change. Oh, I would just wave a magic wand to make, to slow everything down. So the whole team. Wave your Harry Potter wand. (laughs) Totally. I would just, if I could do anything, I would just slow it down because it's just changing so quickly. And on top of this environment that, you know, we're every day trying to figure out what the new normal is. Are people ready to travel? Can international people come? You know, every day the safety requirements and travel requirements are changing. It's just keeping on top of it all. It's just, it's daunting for, for me and for the team. I, I would love to be able to do that for, for everybody. Yeah, that is, yeah, (laughs) it is, it is one of the things we asked them several guests, like what keeps you up at night as a CMO and the pace of culture and external factors is, is obviously a big one. And, you know, we're, we're coming up to the end of time. I've, I've so enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you better, but I do have one more question for you, if you would allow me. And I'd like to know if you had all the time, talent and money in the world what would you be doing if not the CMO at Universal Parks and Resorts? Wow. Wow. Well, I think there'd be two things. Uh, I would do something charitable for sure. So um, I do some, you know, work that my, my, I think I can manage in this, the, the, the workload and the schedule that I have, but I would spend more time doing something um, charitable Whether and, and I'm, I'm kind of passionate about, you know, the education and mentoring and, and nice. development and all that. So I would do something there. But then the other thing that I would do that would be just for me would be some sort of creative expression. Um, and there's some creativity in marketing, but I would do like either dance or play piano or writing or, or something that would be like a creative um, outlet, outlet, which is yeah. not... And, I, and that's why I'm, I'm not like, I'm not, I can't support myself doing any of those things. <laughs> but you said if time and money were not an issue. So my right. and, I enjoy doing. <laughs> and I said, if you had all the talent in the world, but the question is, are you naturally like artistic or, or musical? I have some skill okay. in, music, in, in piano and in dance and in writing. But like I said, I, I'm not at where I don't think I could support myself in any of those <laughs> ventures. Keep, keep it as a hobby. Nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if I could just do that all the time, I'd be totally happy. Excellent. Well, Ziamara, thank you so much for taking the time. I know uh, you've got to be incredibly busy. Go back to promoting this amazing destination and can't wait to see what you guys have in store for upcoming attractions and and summer travel. So thanks for being here with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO moves with one of your friends or colleagues. And please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again. And we'll catch you next time.
Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.